your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM for a Friday election day today. <laughs> UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski is on with me. We're waiting for the Friday news dump. We're kind of holding out that it's going to happen at five in the five p.m. hour. The news dump would be that Joe Biden wins the election, right, Tregoski? Yeah, I, I mean, that's just the reality of where we sit, Rick, that Biden is on track to win this thing. The only question now is when the networks make it official with their calls. I have the feeling that they're being very cautious, that they don't want to get out ahead of themselves on this. But when you look at the Electoral College map, when you look at where the vote count stands, when you look at the votes remaining to be counted, it's pretty obvious that Joe Biden is going to win this thing. And again, it's just a matter of when. So, hey, maybe it'll be during the show today. That'd be, I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I have I have my uh, phone set up. So when Wolf Blitzer tweets it out, it, my phone will buzz. So we'll know exactly when. And then who are you following that you know is going to tweet out, Joe Biden has declared himself victorious, Victoria, victorious. I've got the official Associated Press account because when they when the Associated Press some, says something, Rick, you know it's official, right? I mean, like they seem to be like the most official that it gets in the news industry. Would it be? Would it be really? It'd be smart here, right, to have just have Breitbart just in case have Breitbart <laughs> notifications. So when Breitbart declares Joe Biden the winner, then you really know it's official. Well, Rick, I mean, on that point, there are still Trump supporters who are really mad at Fox News for calling Arizona and being pretty aggressive with that call, calling Arizona for Joe Biden. And there is actually a chance at a Trump protest recently with Trump supporters. They were chanting Fox News sucks. (laughs) So I think Trump supporters chanting Fox News sucks actually ranks up there on one of the weirdest things to have happen in 2020, which is a pretty hard list to get in. But I mean, I think I think that's got to rank up there. Yeah. The the weirdest thing I've seen this week is and I might have this backward. I probably have it backwards. But in Detroit, people are standing outside the window where they're counting votes, yelling, stop the count. And then simultaneously in Arizona, wherever they were doing this, people were were chanting keep counting so like and they were all trump supporters so in one in one area stop counting the votes in the other area and then i saw like um the the messaging that that the trump campaign has in that he wants the votes to be he wants to stop counting the votes and somebody must have said you know if we stop counting the votes then joe biden wins so we probably should keep counting well exactly and so he's now he's saying count all the legal votes of course There's no credible claims out there of widespread voter fraud. Imagine what a conspiracy that would take, like involving hundreds of thousands of fraudulent votes and all these poll workers who are in on it, these government officials who are in on it. Like, it's just so implausible, these conspiracy theories that are being tossed around. And I think that you are seeing, though, people believing in these conspiracy theories. One thing that I've observed, Rick, is that a conspiracy theory can spread in an instant, and then it takes, like, forever to correct that conspiracy theory. Like, the falsehood spreads way faster than the correction to the falsehood. Yeah, and we've even seen that right in the state of Wisconsin, the, uh, the I think, Eric Trump 
tweeted it out or in fact i think he put it on every social media including like snapchat um something like there's more more people in wisconsin voted than were registered voters which he had the numbers all all incorrect so uh we're seeing it right here in the state yeah i mean that was just plainly false but how many people saw that and believed it and then did not see the fact check, you know, did not see the correction. And so, you know, are still under the impression that there was funny business in Milwaukee, but there, I have, I have yet to see any credible claims of funny business in Milwaukee. It just seems to be a fundamental misunderstanding of the numbers, like you said, Rick. Yeah. And so I, so the weirdest thing for me was Detroit stop the count and Arizona keep the count going. And then the whole idea that Trump said somehow Trump said stop counting, which, you know, like his interpretation would be, you know, like you said, legal, legal ballots. Um, so I had this. It, we talked about this issue before before Election Day and with in Minnesota. Um, they were they were trying they were discussing the rule that my ballot could be postmarked Tuesday and it could still get counted up to so many days after the Election Day. And, you know, on Friday the before the election, a lot of the talk was, no, go deliver, hand deliver your ballot or go on election day and turn it in because we might be changing that rule. Is that what's going on in, in places like Pennsylvania where the ballots can be accepted after election day? That is that what's going to be challenged in court and we may invalidate those votes? Yeah, Rick, you know, I think that in many ways, a court challenge in Pennsylvania has been set up in the sense that they have allowed votes to be counted should these votes arrive up to three days after Election Day on the, uh, you know, just as long as they were postmarked on or before Election Day. But what they've done, and this is where I think we might be headed toward a court challenge, is they've segregated those ballots, those ballots that came in after Election Day, though were postmarked before or on Election Day. So there could be legal wrangling over those ballots. And I think what will be telling is just what the final margin is in Pennsylvania, which we still don't know, by the way, and what the final margin is in Pennsylvania versus the amount of ballots that could potentially be challenged in court. You know, those numbers, how they square with each other, that will I think, be an important point in any potential legal challenges. But, you know, so far, President Trump ha- has has just frankly not been successful in his attempts to legally intervene in this process, at least through the court system. All right. I'm going to put you through this. Eric from Sparta is calling in right before we go to the news. <laughs> Eric, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm Mr. Tchaikovsky. I kind of want to... You, uh, you state clearly and plainly that you believe Biden will win today, and give me your reasons why, or... Or you think there might be something going on here that he may not win? I want to know if you think he's going to win. If you do think he is, say so. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Eric. Actually, all right. There. He wants your opinion, Dragoski. Well, Eric is asking the tough questions today. I, I like that. You know, and I do think he's going to be declared the winner today. And I have a couple reasons for believing that. First of all, it looks like he is on track to carrying Pennsylvania. And if Biden does carry Pennsylvania, then there's your ball game. That's that gets him over the magic number of 270 electoral votes. He can also get to 270 through Arizona, which, by the way, Fox News has already called for Biden, plus Nevada, which the votes continue to come in there. Biden has the lead. So I think that this is 
probably coming in for a landing today. That would be my strong suspicion, based on the fact that if we get a call out of Pennsylvania, it's over. If we get a call out of Arizona and Nevada, it's over. So there are multiple ways that this thing could come to a close, and, and I do think that we are heading in that direction. All right, you heard it there, Eric. UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski is going to join us this hour. Uh, 608-785-7914. If you've got questions for him, shoot me a text, and maybe I'll put you on. Eric calls every day, so I'd like to uh, run Chagoski through the Eric from Sparta <laughs> Ringer. Uh, we'll be back after this. I was a- All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW Lacrosse political scientist. Dr. Anthony Tregoski is joining us this hour. Tregoski, I did get a text here. Tim's texting in, Rick, I'm going to listen to Fox News and listen to them whine, cry, and complain, and lie. I, I is, that, is that kind of right in play with what we were talking about before? Is Fox News called a certain state for Donald Trump earlier? Yeah, yeah, Rick. They called Arizona for Joe Biden, and that was viewed as a pretty aggressive move on their part. I mean, you you want to see how much we're in the twilight zone right now. Fox News has called Arizona for Biden, but CNN has not. So there you go, right? I mean, I, and and I think he generated tremendous backlash from Trump supporters who thought that, you know, Fox would kind of be in their corner when they were calling these races. But, you know, the Fox decision desk it has has very smart people working there, and, and they saw numbers to them that just gave them great confidence that Biden would win Arizona. And while other media outlets have not called Arizona, it very much does look like we're heading toward a narrow Biden victory in Arizona. Does the Fox decision desk have smarter people than those on Facebook reading memes? Because those memes are pretty definitive i mean they're they're right to the point man the rick the funny thing is like the fox decision desk is viewed as one of the best in the business like they are pros there and so when they called arizona for trump i knew that they were seeing something that really uh, sorry arizona for biden you know i saw that i i assume that they really saw something that gave them great confidence in that prediction a little freudian slip there chagoski i don't know Arizona. <laughs> uh this is like the the wisdom decision desk on uh wednesday morning at about four o'clock i called it for uh ron kind over Derek van orden i don't know if you saw that one you were napping there so election night for you you were on tv for a lot of the night and then at some point you said i got a i got a nap what time did you take a nap and then what time did you get up to just see if if some of these races have been called Rick, I did not nap. In fact, oh. I got to fact check you on that one. Okay. I did not nap, and I was up for 30 hours straight. Um, and what happened was that, yeah, I, w- I was on TV for much of the day on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then went to sleep at noon on Wednesday, slept till 6, then went right back to sleep, and it was the best sleep I've ever had in a while. <laughs> yeah, because I text you at like 3.30, which is odd for me to text you a couple hours before the show. Usually it's like 4.55, and I'm like, you know what? These are these are political things going down, and people need to hear from somebody better educated than Rick Solom on these issues. Uh, but you didn't get back to me until I think right right, at, right after the show, and I was like, wait a minute, you were sleeping? What What's going on here? But 30 hours, that, is that a record for you, 30 hours? 
You know, back to my back to my college days, I might have pulled something pretty close to that. But, you know, I, I didn't know that I was physically capable of just staying awake for 30 hours consecutively. So, hey, you know, that's my dedication to hot takes about election 2020. Yeah, and it wasn't worth it. It was really hard. We were on from 8 to no, 10, and, and there was there was nothing. You know, we could talk about stuff that just in general, but, like, I felt really weird about, hey, Ron Kind is up on Van Orden. Or actually, earlier it was Van Orden was up on Ron Kind. Uh, 1.6% of the voting has been tabulated, and it'd just be like, mm, this doesn't seem – this would be like reporting, ah, the Milwaukee Bucks are up on the Rockets by – uh, 40%, but the score is like, you know, three to three to one. I don't know if that's 40% or not, but, um, so it's, yeah, it just seemed really weird to, to be, you know, and then nobody's going to want to listen to you on the radio at three 30 in the morning because nobody's up at three 30 in the morning, except <laughs> you and me. I don't know why we weren't texting each other. Well, we we clearly should have, Rick. It's a big missed opportunity. And and I got to say, you know, you were really out in front of things with your call on the Brad Pass Dan Kopenke race. Yeah, if you just use Lacrosse County, you really can figure out who won. And and if you (laughs) disregard the rest of the counties, yeah, I got to thinking. It was probably on on our website for about fifteen twenty minutes. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this uh, this district is probably bigger than and I didn't know how to I, it was it was very hard to read other counties election uh, votes in La Crosse County, really easy and simple to read. And then other counties had like weird charts and colors and it was it was more difficult. So I then I had to just uh, wait it out and see and, and, and watch. it. I, I think I watched it on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, but eventually I did call it because I'm like, nope, I did the math path wins. <laughs> See, Rick, and I was in the newsroom for one of the local TV stations, and when I saw that pop up on my feed, I was in a panic. Like, I'm like, well, like, what does Rick know that I don't? Because, like, I wanted to make that call, too, and I'm like, Rick's beating me to the punch here. This is no good. Probably worth the text. Hey, Rick, I don't think you're right. That's probably where we're at with that one. Though, I did do, I honestly, I did do the math with Ron Kind and Derek Van Orden, because that, that one was really close, and I was like, there's, we're at, like, 96%. And and kind was up, you know, by by seven or eight thousand. So I did okay. Ninety six four percent of the vote left is not even if every vote went to Van Orden, it was not going to flip to to him. So I did I did make that call, and I feel like I the wisdom, you know, what did you call it? The wisdom, the fox, uh, the wisdom, the wisdom decision test. decision test. So I did feel I feel <laughs> okay about that one. Mark's calling in. I, I'm hoping and Mark Mark's got a question for you. Mark, you're on the air with uh, Doctor Anthony Trigoski. Thanks for taking my call, gentlemen. Uh, after Florida's debacle with uh, hanging chads, and it seems like they got their thing figured out because it's a very heavily populated state, and they were in very quickly after the polls closed. I'm just curious, do you think that we will ever get to a national uh, set voting? I guess now you got to say that it's the software that they use. Will we ever get to something that is universal, we can find out at least by the next day and be be done with it instead of all those vote dumps and all that you're hearing now about maybe some malarkey going on. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a good weekend. I'll take the answer off the air. All right. Great, great question, Mark. What do you think, Trigoski? Yeah, it is a really good question that Mark asks. And I will say that I, I do have to tip my hat to Florida because they made significant reforms to their voting systems following the 
debacle, the dumpster fire that was 2000 in Florida, they made significant reforms to speed up the process, make it more secure, make it more efficient. And what did you see on election night? I mean, you saw Florida's votes just come flying in. So I got to give them a tip of the hat. And, you know, to, to, to Mark's point, you know, the problem is that the Constitution gives states incredible flexibility over how they conduct their elections. And what that means in practice is that we don't really have one vote counting system so much as we have like 50 different ones and then multiply that by the number of localities, the number of local uh, uh, jurisdictions that we have. And so it's this incredibly weird and rather disorganized patchwork of systems for counting and tallying and reporting out the votes. I don't think that we're going to get to one national system, but I think it would absolutely be reasonable for Congress to step in and say, you know, here's some here's some funds here here are some steps that we want the states to take to improve the process because I, I don't like at all the fact that it's Friday at 526 and we still don't know who the winner is and we're still counting votes. Like, I, I don't like that one bit. Yeah, and I would like to see see the votes getting counted. So I, I totally understand where Mark is coming from here. And and some of this lies on the state governments deciding we're not going to start counting the votes. Uh, you know, in Wisconsin, I think it was 7 a.m. Tuesday. In other states, it was when the polls close, right? 8 p.m. Tuesday is when we're going to start counting the votes, which, you know, why would it be so difficult to just start counting the votes when they come in? Um, I guess maybe we're we're fearing leaks there. We're going to see the score before the uh, before the game starts. I, I guess, Rick, but I just don't understand that either, because you could put in measures to guard against those leaks. And the reason that is taking so darn long in Pennsylvania is because they couldn't start counting anything, not the votes that had come in a week earlier, not the votes that had come in three weeks earlier. They couldn't count anything until the polls had closed. And so it's no wonder that it's taking so long. Had they been able to get a head start, we would definitely have our answer by now as far as who has won Pennsylvania. So, you know, I got to put some of the blame here on state governments for not doing their part to get us to a quicker and more efficient vote count. On on the flip side, this is completely expected. When we were going in, we're going to, hey, by the way, we're going to have to count millions of votes by hand. We're going to have these these, uh, volunteers manually putting the thing in the machine after the polls close. I mean, this we, we knew this was going to happen. We, maybe we didn't expect uh, it to take a couple of days, but just think about, you know, I was at the Black River Beach uh, voting center, and I there was people doing absentee ballots in one corner, and other people were doing, you know, uh, registering voters and, and doing helping the, the voters, you know, figure out how to vote in live in person. And, you know, the, they would, the, the volunteers doing absentee ballots, they're, you know, over there in the corner, and then they bring one ballot over, feed it into the machine, go back. You know, that's going to take a long time. Oh, absolutely, Rick. I mean, we knew that this would be a lengthier process than normal, and that's why I was so pleased with how expeditiously the votes were counted in Wisconsin. I mean, you know, they were we, we got a lot of results pretty early in the evening, quite after right after polls closed and then kind of over the overnight hours. And by Wednesday morning, we basically had the entire vote count. Uh, 
So big tip of the hat to our elections officials in Wisconsin. I thought they did a phenomenal job. And it was just night and day compared to the spring election, just in terms of how smoothly things ran and in terms of the amount of problems that there were, very minimal problems that I was aware of as far as how the polling places went in Wisconsin. So I'm just extremely impressed with our elections officials. And regardless of party, we can all be proud of the fact that we pulled off a very smooth election here in Wisconsin in the midst of a once-in-a-century pandemic. So that, that is no small feat at all. Except for what Eric Trump tweeted. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to break. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Dr. Anthony Chagoski, a UW-Lacrosse political science professor, is going to hold tight with us. He's getting ready to hear Scott's comment. And then Brad doing the news. We'll be back after this. I'll wisdom. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Brad Williams just told me he didn't have time to read it, but uh, it looks like the the Valley View Mall with, uh, I should say, Dr. Anthony Chagoski, UW Lacrosse political science professor, is on with me. It looks like the Valley View Mall is going to be foreclosed on here, uh, and I'm I'm a little worried about who hot because I when we did eat at restaurants, I like to eat there. It's funny you mentioned that, uh, Rick. I'm a big fan of that fine establishment as well. Yeah, one of these days we can actually meet in person. Maybe we'll go to Hoo Hot together if the if the mall isn't sold to, to somebody and and they don't and they don't keep Hoo Hot there. I mean, it is a little wild that we haven't actually met in person yet. Yeah, it's it's super funny. Brad is snuck into 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 the news into the into the studio. He's trying to figure out how to plug in this uh, remote mic. All right, Brad, what do you got? Uh, for some reason, that was not. Okay. Well, I went to the uh, Preet website. Preet is the company that has owned Valley View for many years. And you can see a listing of all their malls around the country. And you can check them by region, if it's the Northeast, if it's the Mid-Atlantic, if it's the Midwest. I clicked on the Midwest. They only have one mall listed, and it's not Valley View. Writing's on the wall there about something. Valley View not listed as a property. We have no no idea what that means. Uh, but Brad, you can't talk if I take the mic away from you. So, okay. you can... <laughs> but that's Brad Williams sneaking into the newsroom with his mask on, and I couldn't talk back at him because I didn't have my mask on. Uh, but that's where we're at. So the mall, Tragoski, what do you got in the bank? I could, I could fork over. I got like four, five hundred bucks. What do you I, got? I, can I, we... I can match that. Can we can we at least get the section with who hot? <laughs> can we put a down payment on it? <laughs> can we can we buy that for eight hundred bucks? Yeah, well, maybe the middle thing where they shove all the the food into the middle. I always wonder where that <laughs> where, where does that food go? Does it just is there is the river below there and it just goes into the river? <laughs> yeah, I mean, does it go into like the sewage system and it comes like out of our? I I don't know. I mean, like. These are Rick. These are the questions that Brad Williams needs to get the answers to. Right, and he, and and now we, we might never know. We might never know. And yeah. I, I really feel like the person that has to clean that middle thing at Hoo Hot should be making like seventy five dollars an hour, <laughs> at least. Hey, I'm not doing that job. I know that. <laughs> right. Just uh, the, when people <laughs> when people complain about like uh, uh, burger flippers shouldn't be making 15 bucks an hour. I'm like, burger flipping is an awful job. It's really hard. It's not fun. It's, it's, you look at the clock every five minutes. They should be making $15 an hour. Think about having to flip burgers for eight hours a day. Well, and think about being the hoo-hot center of the 
thingy cleaner person. <laughs> right. Or just or anyone that works at hoo-ha right in the middle there. Like they're they're on display in the middle. You watch them cook your food. That's got to be I mean, I, I get itchy just thinking about like having 13 people hovering around me, watching me cook their food and waiting like a little piss that it hasn't come sooner as if they could make it the, the, the food cook faster. Rick, this happens, something similar happens to me when I'm teaching a class and I have to type something like on the computer during class. And I just like completely lose my ability to type when the students are like watching me. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I, you know, this is interesting too. This, when you talk about anxiety a little bit, uh, the idea, you know, I've talked about, uh, I talked even, I, I brought you up again yesterday when I talked to Dr. Aaron Engel, the lacrosse school superintendent. Has participation with your class virtual learning has it been better than when you would have uh, class like learning in person? Is it is it better? Or would you say it's it's worse? I actually think it's about the same, Rick. Okay. And I've got a nice experiment going on right now because I've got uh, I've got about half of my classes meeting in person and half of them meeting online. And I honestly can't tell a difference. I mean, you have to teach them in a different way. But I don't think there's been a real difference for me in terms of, like, attendance or participation in class, which is, I mean, just a great thing because I just feel for these students being in this situation. Like, it's no fun for them. But, uh, I mean, I think they're hanging in there, and they're doing a great job with their online coursework. It's just the incompetence of the professor being able to teach virtually. That's what we're worried about. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I, that would be my bigger concern. I mean, that's that's the uh, that's some of the the text I got yesterday. Is we need to get them in the classroom. Those kids are going to be idiots. They're not learning anything. I think I got a text almost exactly like that. And I'm like, well, you're not putting a whole lot of stock into the the, the people trying to teach your children. And I think it's just a slap in the face to teachers out there uh, when you tell them that they can't. They can't do their job virtually. It's just like, okay, well, you try it. It's not not going to be easy, and a lot of parents are trying it, right? Like because they got to help the kids uh, at home. Oh, Rick. I mean, and I can't speak for the K twelve teachers. I mean, bless them for the jobs that they are doing. I, all I know is that teaching online is way more work for for me than te- than prepping and teaching a typical in person class. So. Like I, I just know that the the di- degree of difficulty on the teacher's side is way up here, and so you know I, I get the concern, right? I mean, I, I totally get the concern, but it's not easy on anyone here. You know, the teachers don't enjoy this. I certainly don't. It, 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 so you don't just put a camera up where you would be lecturing uh, and just and just wing it that way. You you actually do you do you try to have some uh, visual things to throw on the computer? Yeah, yeah. I use Zoom and you can like share your screen to show like videos and graphs and images and stuff. And it used that as a way to generate discussion. And I've been super impressed with my students this semester. Like they're just doing a fantastic job. I know they're probably just like really freaked out about this situation, really anxious. But I mean, we, we've got some fantastic students at UWL. They're, they're just doing a great job. And, and I take no credit for that, Rick. They're, it's, it's, it's all them. Uh, when you want to, when you want to pack it in on a Friday with your students, are you going JFK movie there or Air Force One, Independence Day? What movie are you playing? Hey guys, <laughs> we're just going to watch a movie today. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we all love movie day, right, Rick? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I feel like you're you're violating some copyright issues if you're sending your uh, you're you're playing JFK over your Zoom call to uh, seventy five students. <laughs> 
you just can't. You, you, okay, just just don't turn me in for that, right? right you definitely. know, just don't turn me in. I do not need the FBI uh, on my trail. All right, so I refresh the AP, the latest headlines. Biden adds to lead over Trump in Georgia. Um, you know, we're, we're trying, we're, we're hoping, I feel like we're not going to get this decisive decision, decisive decision, is that a thing, uh, before the show is over. Uh, but you've already said it, it's just a matter of time before Biden claims this. And then I guess what happens after that, besides the fact that Biden's going to give a speech, what does, I guess everyone wants to know, what, do you, what does Donald Trump do after Biden is declared winner? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, there could be additional legal challenges. He could give another uh, news conference or speech of the type that he gave yesterday. But Donald Trump is always the wild card in these situations. I have zero idea how he's going to respond. My guess is that he's not going to respond in a happy manner to whatever Joe Biden is going to say tonight. And I think Joe Biden is going to basically come up. I mean, if I was him, I'd just declare victory, basically. I mean, like, it's obvious that he's going to win at this point. We're just waiting for kind of the official calls. And and the, the networks are just being super, super cautious here. I, I, I get it that they don't want to get this thing wrong. They want to make the correct call. But, yeah, at some point, let's just let the obvious be the obvious. And And the obvious is that Biden's got this thing. The obvious for Donald Trump is that he does some kind of press conference with a helicopter in the background. But what I've been hearing is he's got an F-250. It's jacked up. It's got mutters on it, 17 flags in the back. And he's going to just do burnouts in the front of the White House lawn. And he's going to have a microphone and he's going to give a speech that way from the bed of the truck. He's going to like hold on to the roof. And that's how he's going to give his last speech. Or he could do that during the Biden inauguration speech. Yeah, because we would all definitely listen to Donald Trump give a speech over Joe Biden at this point. (laughs) Um, All right. So I just want to change it up because we haven't talked about the state government and what happened on Tuesday a whole lot about uh, with with the states. Um, Biggest impact that you saw, you know, with the. With the, uh, the the Senate, the Assembly, um, we, we you know before that we were talking a lot about uh, a supermajority that obviously didn't happen. Does does the state just continue the next two years with uh, this do nothing attitude? Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, especially because Tony Evers is heading into his reelection in 2022, so the Republicans don't want to give him any major victories going into his reelection campaign. But I do think, Rick, that that is the big highlight, the big headline at the state level, that the Republicans wanted this veto-proof majority. They fell short. And so now we just get back into this just trench warfare that we're seeing between the legislature and the governor. I guess we just get two more years of that because, uh, you know, the Republicans just were not able to pull off that two-thirds veto-proof majority. It's It's got to be worse, right? Because if Evers is running for re-election, we really don't want to do anything that would make him, like, give him anything to sign that makes him look good. So uh, maybe the next two, at least the last of these two years would be worse. Maybe they do something early just to say they did something. Or do they look at what happened uh, during the election and go, hey, look, we haven't done anything since mid-April. And we we pretty much retained uh, our our power. Yeah, I, I I think that you know you'll see kind of like the bare minimum happens, like the budget getting passed, and you know the lights staying on in the state government. So I, I think you'll see the bare minimum stuff get through, but anything controversial, anything that could give Evers a win going into his reelection is not 
facing good odds in these next couple of years. So my guess is that we're not going to see a whole heck of a lot happening in the Wisconsin state legislature. We're not going to be seeing a whole heck of a lot of bills being signed because, you know, we're, we're going into 2022 and big tests for Tony Evers. All right. So one of the important things, you know, if you want to talk about at least there's some kind of semblance of a balanced government here, uh, the redistricting is always kind of an issue. We're going to redraw the maps next year, I believe. And uh, that that's what the Republicans wanted, the supermajority, so they could just say uh, so Tony Evers couldn't veto, you know, whatever maps come up. Um, how important was that? And, and I guess uh, are we going to see any any change in, in how maps are drawn from 10 years ago? I'm honestly not sure, Rick, but what I do know is that it is a significant development that the Republicans cannot simply draw those maps and then pass them into law through overriding Tony Evers' veto. That is now off the table, and so this is going to be a big showdown, certainly a legal showdown between the governor and the legislature. So in terms of the big battles that are coming up in the next two years in Wisconsin state government, Oh, definitely put redistricting right at the top of that list. Would uh, Republicans just do what the U.S. Senate does? Uh, You know, President Obama gets to nominate a Supreme Court justice and the Senate just goes, eh, we're just going to ignore that for 10 months. Could the GOP just go, eh, we're just going to ignore the redistricting, redrawing the lines for two years and see if we get a governor, uh, a Republican governor or a supermajority in the government, in the Senate? And we'll just hold out. Could they push this out two years and and just or will the the courts have to make a decision? You know, something has to happen after the census is conducted, Rick. And that's because according to court rulings, each district has to have the same number of people in it. And so the census obviously gives a sense of, you know, where the heck are people living? You know, where's the population residing? And what you'll find after the census is completed is that the districts do not have equal numbers of people in them. And so that demands redrawing the districts because we do have that sort of one person, one vote rule when it comes to the state legislature, when it comes to the U.S. House of Representatives. So, yeah, you know, they, they, they do indeed have to redraw the districts to comply with that one person, one vote standard. OK, so there's no uh, no holding on to the ball until the clock runs out on uh, Evers being uh, uh, overtaken in the next election. Nah, it's just got to happen once the census is conducted. It's weird because you'd think there'd be a rule about that with Supreme Court justices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I, I, by the way, Rick, like, I wonder if, like, one of these sort of liberal Supreme Court justices just, like, heads towards the exit now that Biden is in office. Like, I'm out of here and hope that Biden can get a, a replacement through. Yeah, they and then Biden replaces them with, like, a, an 18-year-old? Yeah. Hey, like uh, that even sounds a little too old for me. Like, like, why not go 13? Oh, they got to have. They, well, I guess they don't have to have any experience. Um, <laughs> I, I heard that that's actually what when Obama was in there, they actually asked Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, to step down to do just that. But is, is that a rumor? Do you remember hearing that? Rick, that happened. It did happen in 2013. Barack Obama 
basically asked Ruth Bader Ginsburg to step down so that he could confirm her replacement. He could nominate her replacement. And at that time, the Democrats still had control in the Senate. So they could have easily gotten a replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg confirmed. And that ended up being very costly for sort of the the liberal progressive movement that they had a shot to get like a 50-year-old progressive person on the Supreme Court had Ruth Bader Ginsburg just stepped down while Obama was president. She ultimately didn't. And what you ended up with is Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. Um, All right. That's all the time we got with Dr. Anthony Jagoski. I will refresh this AP headline one more time. Biden lead over Trump in Nevada grows slightly. So that's where we're at. Hey, Jagoski, thanks a lot for joining us. And uh, we'll likely just do this in a week again. All right. Take care, Rick. All right. See ya. We're going to take another quick break. Wrap up after this right here on Wisdom. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. It's going to wrap up the week. We did break news, but we didn't break the news that we wanted. We wanted to know who was going to be the president. Dr. Anthony Shigoski from UW Lacrosse, political science professor there, did say that all signs point to Joe Biden doing this and uh, he didn't know what Trump would do after that. He, he I think I, I, the, the quote would be, I literally have no idea. I have no idea. That's what Chagoski said. Uh, and we did the, the, the news we did kind of break is uh, the malls for sale. If anyone wants to buy it, I, uh, I did get a message from the newsroom that said uh, the bank has controlled the mall since July. They hired an outside company to manage it until they find a buyer. It looks like that's what they're trying to do. So if anyone wants to buy the mall, me and Tregoski are in for $500, but we really just want to buy the hoo hot portion of the mall. And I guess we won't be able to use it except for ourselves. Uh, well, I guess we could we could use it, but safe, the, the safety factor right now with the way the virus is spreading seems a little inappropriate. Uh, speaking of that, another person did pass away from the virus today. That's the fourth death in the past three days. You can get all that all those numbers on wisdomnews.com. Um, it's the 22nd death since October 1st, 27th overall. It's not the greatest way to, to end the week, I guess. <laughs> why, why, why would I bring up that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. Um, all right. So next week, I, I think I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the state governments and, and what they're doing. And we should see, you know, in two weeks, we're going to see a decision on this school resource officer program in, in lacrosse as well. So, all right. That's all I got. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Have a great weekend.